mildly entertaining, somewhat obscure guests, relatively interesting topics, semi-professional production quality, reasonably well-informed commentary, a great value for the money, hundreds of fans all around the world. It's the Starting Strength Gyms podcast with your host, Ray Gillenwater. Today, we're joined by Michael Jones from Starting Strength Plano. Michael is a starting strength coach. He's in the Dallas gym at the moment. Uh, he works for Brent Carter, the owner of several gyms in Texas and uh, soon to be all over the country, potentially. Um, Michael and I bumped into each other at the latest coaches conference, and I was like, holy shit, Michael, you look great, man. Um, I don't know. Tell me what you've done. <laughs> You're almost unrecognizable. You've leaned out. Oh, man. And, uh, um, so, yeah, I thought I thought Michael and I would would get on the podcast today, um, talk about his role at Starting Strength Plano, talk about his personal story with Starting Strength, talk about his career progression as a coach, and whatever happens to pop up. So welcome, man. Thanks for having the conversation. Yeah, man. Thanks for thanks for having me. Enjoyed seeing you at the, at the conference and before at other functions. Currently, I am team mentor and staff coach at Plano, which I stepped into about a month ago. Uh, and Brent graciously, when a position opened, he let me know he was, uh, it's been a mentor and, and good friend for, for some time now and mentored me since the Dallas gym opened actually in 2019. Mm. Um, and I came in as a, you know, an, an apprentice coach. When I found out we were opening, I, I had to, I had to come here. I was, I was mostly inspired. I think when I heard Brent Carter was coming, I had known his, uh, the great content from Y5's video, which just was made me come out here to have to meet him. The uh, I'm glad you guys have a good time over there. The photo that you that you posted on Instagram when you left the Dallas gym was pretty great. One of your fellow coaches was uh, holding you in in some sort of cheerleading pose as you. Uh, that was as... a, that was a client actually. Oh, okay, good. It was a client, and he he's a Jake. He's a great uh, solid lifter and. One day he found out I was like, burnt ends are my favorite, favorite barbecue treat. Mm -hmm. And he got done training at the seven o'clock class and went home and made some like, like, like hacked them in his oven and, and, and frying pan and then brought, brought him up here to me so I could eat some burnt ends with him at the gym before I left for the day. Mm, so yeah. super, super great guy. Can't say enough of, enough about him. I just saw him a couple of weeks ago at a Van Halen cover band concert. So that was, that was sort of cool. Burnt ends and, uh hair metal from the from the yeah man it's a good man right yeah there. Uh, yeah 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 um hey so before we get too off track with a bunch of nonsense which we can save for later um i, I want to know your i want to know your story so so clearly you've had quite a transformation in the past year or so since uh the time i saw you last um i just want to hear in general what what has starting strength done for you because i know basically all the coaches have some sort of story where when they found the program, it's helped them in some really meaningful way and it's prompted them to, to make this their career. So, so tell us yours. Sure. I, uh, I, I started career looking in, in academia. I wanted to be a professional philosopher of all things. Um, and I was playing rugby in college and, uh, you know, following various YouTube personalities, uh, and I didn't, I was lost as a lifter and I kept tweaking my back and didn't know what I was doing. I ran Texas method and I said this to rip once with front squats instead of low bar back squats, which was not making my back any stronger. Uh, and 
you know, I, I did some online stuff with Jalzinski, who does some great online stuff, and I think he moderates the Facebook page. That's Joe, right? With, yeah, Joe Jalzinski, who's who's super super great and accessible coach. Uh, and then I found out uh, Deaton had a who's down the street from here had a squat deadlift camp that I went to, and I you know you when you come face to face with the material which I, I I perused the blue book and the gray book. But when you come face to face with somebody who, who lives and breathes it, it's a completely different experience than trying to ha- do it on your own. Um, and about that time I was teaching, um, at a, a local high school literature and they found out I was into lifting and the students noticed I was sort of built like a lifter and I got sort of drafted for uh, coaching the strength coach for the football team. And this was in Alabama, wasn't it? This was in Dallas. Oh, okay. Got it. This, this was in Dallas. And the the first year that I was the strength coach, first time in school history, we went to state. And uh, we developed a reputation that year for having the hardest hits and my uh, – my athletes, when there would be big hits on the field, they would taunt their opponents yelling hip drive because that's what I was yelling at them in the gym. And they'd, they'd say, hey, Co- Coach Jones, those guys, their glutes are underdeveloped. They don't have hip drive, do they? Like, no, they don't have, they don't have hip drive. Let me, let me pause you there because I want to make sure that, uh, um, that this is a complete narrative. Is it? Are, are you quite convinced starting strength was the difference maker there? So in other words, was the team makeup – uh, similar to the prior year, uh, was the competition similar to the prior year? Would you would you say that if we're if we're being totally objective about this, that the the main variable that changed was was the strength training, and that that's the thing that led them to uh, to a better outcome? I what I do know is that I came into this program with a bunch of athletes that squatted high were scared of heavy weight um, if they squatted at all and taking kids from squatting 65 pounds to 225 in a linear progression that's what I observed and getting kids to you know bigger kids to 400 pound squats and consistent 300 pound deadlifts at a small school with small kids um, I know from hearing what they told me that it made a difference one of them was a hockey player who, who did football on the side. And he talked about how after training in the starting strength style, uh, that he dominated the ice suddenly. Surprise. Yep. Um, but he's hitting everybody, checking everybody harder, and people were sort of scared of him on the ice. Nice. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, please continue. I just, I just wanted to pause you there to make sure that was the, that was the main difference. Sure. Uh, yeah, and so the second year as their strength coach, we, we won state. Which was which was super great, um, and about that time, the athletic department decided they wanted to go a different wanted to go a different way in their strength program. Um, you know, I guess maybe other sports programs didn't like the model that I was using, and this was right right after I had opted in, and right <clears throat> right before I think my oral boards. Uh, and they decided they want to go a different way, and that's fine, which is what made me decide to make the move to Alabama to try to make it on my own. Got it. Okay. And then so the you were helping the team win, and then the people in charge decided that was no good and to change things up. 
and then you moved to Alabama. And then what uh, what were you doing down in Alabama? Same same type of deal, right? Yeah, I uh, built uh, built a gym from the ground up. We leveled leveled the ground um, of trees and laid foundation and built a gym. A couple squat racks, a row erg, a couple boxes and kettlebells. But I was uh, trying to make starting strength as a brand work in Mobile, Alabama, and I affiliated the gym and had some success, but it just didn't pull in live clientele like I wanted to do. Like the, the reason I left teaching and academia is because I like working with people, getting my hands on them, talking to them face to face, getting excited about a PR rather than having to type great job or something like that. Yep. And it was fine and it was growing. I was in the black from the day one. Um, but it just, it wasn't making me happy. It wasn't, it wasn't giving me the sort of gratification that I got. Even when I was apprenticing here at this Dallas location, I would leave here feeling better about myself, feeling better about my athletes and looking forward to seeing them again. And although I did have a, you know, brick and mortar gym, it just, it didn't get anywhere close to live one-on-one -on -one coaching. And, and, you know, anyone that works with a starting strength coach can tell you that, that it's one thing when you're being told at the moment what to do versus responding, you know, after the fact, um, on the internet. Mm -hmm. Yep. So then what prompted you to come back to Dallas? The I'm unhappy with the business decision I had made mm -hmm. and seeing how well the franchises were doing. Um, and I had a, a, a wise friend when I was trying to make this decision about coming back, uh, say, who would you rather be stuck in a foxhole with? And for me, that answer was, was Brent Carter. Cool. And there was a position becoming available or had made, been made available. And, uh, it was, I don't know, a gift, a gift from the gods is the best is my best explanation. Yeah. It just happened to work out perfectly. It worked out. I, 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 I'm really humbled by the situation because I, I it couldn't, I, I really couldn't be happier working at the Plano location. And, you know, we got real young, strong athletes squatting in the high threes. And I also got like 87 year olds that are doing box squats to the plates and them being able to squat to a bench and stand up is the best thing of their week. And mm. it's, it's, it's everything. It's great. It's the most gratifying job I've ever had. Awesome. So when you came back <clears throat> to the DFW area, did you go straight to the Plano gym? It was basically, yeah, I, I, uh, there was a, a week interim or so when I was kicking around some options. Um, and I would come up to, I was, I was staying at Carter's house and I would come up and shadow the coaches here, Jordan Burnett and Jane Payton and Brent when they were up here to, even though I was coaching online in Alabama, I knew I had my, my blade was dull. And so I needed to come and observe classes. And so I spent a couple of weeks at the Dallas location, shadowing other coaches and uh, really getting my chops back um, a as a coach, which was, was really helpful. So it was a couple of weeks that I was interim before I stepped into the Plano uh, position. Tell me about the Plano gym. So what's the staff like? What's the culture like? What are the members like? I'd love to hear anything you want to share. 
the staff is great. Um, we've got another starting string coach, coach there, Jacob Tice, who is uh, recently credentialed and developing really, really quickly and is a he's great with the clients and gives them the sort of like the sort of sense of guidance that they need um, when they have questions, you know, okay, coach, you told me you want me to do a heavy light medium. What's that mean? And so he'll work with them one-on-one and be very handholds, not the right word, but he offers the, the right amount of guidance in that situation. And so he's my other staff coach. And I've got two apprentices that I'm working on developing, and they're great. Um, Daniel Rodriguez, who I believe is opting in in the spring. Mm -hmm. A lot of promise, a very promising young coach. He's got a background in linguistics. I think he's got a PhD in linguistics, and his full-time gig is like translating biblical texts from Hebrew. And so he's always got, he's always got interesting things to say. It's very (laughs) random. It's very random. All you academics figured out that, uh, there's no money in, uh, philosophy and linguistics and all these things you pay a bunch of money to get educated on. And now you're, now you're, uh, adding some value to the world by getting people stronger. Yeah, man. It's, you know, I got $10 words, but, uh, it's not practical, man. It's, uh, it just a pie in the sky ideal thing when, Helping people in real life is uh, rather than pontificating um, prosaically about you know existentialism, uh, mm-hmm. we're getting people strong. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, so, how about the members? What's uh, do you have any interesting member stories you want to share from the Plano gym? Uh, yeah, I got one. I was just talking about um, one of one of my clients, one of my athletes, Aaron. He. Uh, He's been with us for a couple of months and he had to travel for a week and was terribly worried about losing a lot of the progress that he'd made. Cause not only he was traveling one week, he'd be back the next and then traveling the next. And he came in today, um, you know, concerned about losing his gains that he's fought so hard to make. And he seemed like, you know, besides that, he seemed well-fed and well-rested and, uh, I, we, he'll, he'll be traveling again in two days. And so we just ascended his squats on a, on a coaching whim. And he, you know, he PR'd his set of five squats by 25 or 30 pounds. Um, and then another 20 or 30 pounds of a deadlift triple. And you know, that gives him, and so now he's about to go back on a business trip for a week and has this like overflowing confidence that he's, He's about to walk back into his office today and he's like, nobody's going to understand. Nobody's going to get what it's like to have 300 pounds in your hands. But he's got the sort of like confidence that he's, he's done it. And then he's going to go into his vacation and come back real excited to keep getting strong. And now we've got some baselines that he didn't have before uh, that he's going to be able to work through and, uh, and get past. Where is he um, traveling to out of curiosity? I'm not sure. His, Just I, if I'm he not take sure. Advantage of our new uh, nationwide yeah. membership. You know, we that's a great conference question. That, that members at Starting Strength Gyms can train at any participating Starting Strength Gym in the country, provided they've got an open spot in one of their sessions, no extra charge. Yeah, you know, and I don't think he is anywhere near. I was, I was teasing him this morning about now that he's been training at a Starting Strength Gym that he's really spoiled. 
And I didn't mean spoiled from like the coaching perspective, but he walks in, he's been instructed before he's walked in that he's needed to eat and sleep, his digital logbooks on the TV, his notebooks right there, the barbells are dusted and cleaned, the rack is easy and open waiting for him. He can go get one of these beautiful strength co plates that fits so nicely in your hands and it comes off so nicely off of those plate trees that it's so easy yep. to get ready to do the hard stuff. When it's if you go to nice one of these experience. box it's a nice experience. Yeah. Whereas if you go to one of these box gyms, it's like I, can I find a, a bar that's not bent or one that has a knurling or something? Can you find and, a level platform to stand on, for God's sakes? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys are lucky there. Um, you're at the Dallas gym recording this conversation. And then you've got the Plano gym, which is what, 30 minutes away? Yeah, it's about 30 minutes north. Where you're based. Um, I think Brent and Andrew have purchased two additional gyms in DFW so far. So I know they're looking to do Fort Worth next. And then I'm not sure where they're looking to do the fourth one, maybe Frisco or something. But uh, um, I'm not sure. And then they've got San Antonio. So. Um, the DFW community is responding to the the experience you guys are providing. Tell me about that experience. So what what is it like from the moment somebody contacts you at the Plano gym um, through their first you know several sessions in, in group training? Walk me through that experience. This previous weekend, we've got the open house where you can come and we'll teach you how to deadlift or squat or whatever it is you need to work on that you want. One-on-one -on -one attention for free from a starting strength coach. And we do those every weekend and people sign up or people just stop in and they come in and get a feel for what we're about. And generally a class is already running. And so there's a coach that's running around coaching everybody. And I've got a, a one that came in this last week and we had two that came in this last weekend that signed up for the, for their first month and they learn how to deadlift with, uh, they did with, I believe it was, myself or Brent, it, they learn how to deadlift with me and then we get them excited and they get excited and came in this week and teach them the, go through the intro session with them, teach them how to squat, how to press or bench press and then reinforce the deadlift teaching progression. And then they come in on day one you know, still a little wet behind the ears, but learning how to uh, how to step into a class that's already at speed, already running. And what's really great about the community, and you had mentioned this about the community at Plano, is had a young guy, 24-year-old guy that's in finance right now, or go, about to take his finance exams, as he puts it. And he walks in and, you know, I introduce him. I say, hey, guys, this is this guy. Hey. This is everybody. And he jumps in the rack and, you know, I'm, I'm coaching, but I can hear in my periphery, uh, they're chatting and getting to know each other. And, oh, here, that's the bar you want. Don't use that bar. That's the Olympic bar. Or don't use that bar. That's the, uh, that's the safety squad bar. And so they're helping getting each other up to speed. Or, or uh, yeah, I was fussing at one of my lifters because their logbook was out of sorts. And, uh like, hey, don't don't do your logbook like this. Jones will get mad at you, uh, and better do this the right way. And so they really help each other out, getting through the first week until by the end of the session, they're just one of the guys, right? They're getting yelled at by me. They're getting handled by coaches, and they just have a great time and end up 
inadvertently part of the community because there's, there's this communal uh, union that happens in shared suffering and <laughs> we're all doing it. <laughs> we'll put that on the back of your shirt. Starting strength plan. There you go. <laughs> shared suffering. Shared suffering. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic, man. Have you, out of curiosity, because I know each group training session takes on its own personality. And I'm just wondering if you've ever um, switched people up within the sessions to to maintain a particular type of culture. I don't think this happens in Texas, but there are there are some gyms um, where the people are a little more politically divided. Where I've heard from from some that you'll have like a you know a left leaning class and a right leaning class, and that could actually cause some conflict depending on on uh, which way the conversation goes. And just in general, different personality types, different age groups tend to fit differently or better or worse than 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 others might. I'm just curious, do you, how do you deal with situations like that? Or, or is it just, uh, everyone, it gets along well, regardless, and, and it tends to work itself out. You know, we, uh, I, I, this reminds me of a class I've got that it's, uh, it's been three retired gentlemen. One's retired air force. One's a retired attorney and one's a, a retired PhD in engineering. And what has been bemusing to me is the level of both wisdom and filth that comes out of their mouth in one 90 minute session. <laughs> um, but th this week, uh, there has been, there's been a new addition to this, to this class. And yesterday, it, the first time was yesterday. And I warned the, the, the guys, my guys, we got a wild card coming in and I think they probably think it's a young lady or something like that. No, it's an eighth grade boy. Um, All right. Yeah. And so, you know, newly kid learning how to move in space. Um, but, you know, we, in, in this in this class is uh, one guy who was featured, I think, on one of the social media posts, David, who's 71 and just pulled 415. He was deadlifting 385 at the time of the interview. And, and um, yeah, you guys were telling me at the conference he just pulled, was it 415 for a single at age 72? 415. 415 at 72. What a yeah. badass. Good for him. What a badass. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm working and, and then another guy, the, uh, the guy who was in the air force, their, their technique is they're just built for their impeccable technique. You don't have to fuss at them a lot and they know how to, how to bear down and grind, which was an interesting lesson to offer. I, I, I between this young man's sets, I said, Hey, come over here and watch me, watch this guy. And, um, watch his back, watch his hips, uh, watch how he doesn't collapse in the bottom of the squat. And, you know, this young kid watching the, these older gentlemen just destroy squats. Um, this kid is getting a lot of information. And then, you know, Mike finishes his set. And then, you know, he's heard everything I'm saying while he's doing his set to this young man. And then Mike and, and, and the young, young man start talking about it and start talking about, you know, that he's this kid. He uh, at, at his high at his middle school, um, they had a weightlifting competition, which is why he got into starting strength and just no training, no training experience goes and pulls 245 off the floor, which pretty good for a, a untrained individual, much less an untrained 13 year old. Wow. Uh, How tall is he? Yeah. How does he weigh? He is 5'10", 205. Oh, okay. He's a big 13-year-old. He's a Texan 13-year-old. He's a big 13-year-old. 
he's a Texan 13 year old and he's, he's the pitcher and he's on their football team. So, you know, he's been bailing hay or something. I'm not sure. Right. Um, but it was, that was a, a lot of fun, that class bringing together these two age groups. And, uh, and, you know, when, when, he, when I approach coaching somebody like David with the, with the 420 deadlift or these other guys, it's a very different coach than what manifests for the teenager. Sure. Um, you know, the teenagers, you gotta be forceful and assertive and what, and if I was using that level of assertion with one of my seasoned clients, it just, it doesn't work the same. Yeah. Um, they, and each lifter responds very differently to tone and timing of cues and the conversation after the set about what happened, what's, what are we going to do? Whereas if I say to the 13 year old, okay, your, your hips were too low in that one. He doesn't know what that means. Sure. And so I've got to slow him down in the rack and, and move him how I want for pretty much every rep on the first day and say, mm -hmm. this is what I mean by depth, for example. I think that's a sign of a talented coach, you know, meeting people Thanks, where man. they're at, right? Um, I've had, uh, I've learned from, and I've said this before, the, the best, the best coaches I've ever worked with were Jordan and Brent. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, any chance I get, I, I try to shadow them because it's always an opportunity to grow as a coach. And this, this is something I've tossed around before that anytime I feel like I encounter really high level athleticism, um, there's also a lot of, a lot of humility that teachers have that they offer to the younger generation coming up mm. there's really good teacher student relationships the higher the level of athletics or martial arts or whatever whatever discipline yep man if i was able to train with a group like that and get into lifting weights when i was 13 i would have been much less of a knucklehead as a 13 year old uh, that yeah man the uh I, it was it was pre-government shutdown i think but some of the best training I had was in this gym with Brent Carter, Jordan Burnett, and Matt Haybear, who's at San Antonio. And it was us four, two, three times a week training. And that is the best technique I've ever had, the best training I've ever had, the best, the most consistent PRs was training with people who were a lot better than me. Mm. Let's talk about uh, meeting members where they're at for a minute, because... Um... I'm really, I'm really happy with how well the coaches at the gyms are doing that. You know, Mark Ripito is a total hard ass and, uh, he's a legend and he's pretty consistent from trainee to trainee. And it's just kind of like, we'll deal with it. You know, you're paying me to, to coach you. Right. Um, and you can do that if you're Mark Ripito. Um, but in the gyms, we don't quite have the legendary status yet. We're not necessarily known. We're always building the relationship. We're always trying to build that rapport. One of the things I like to do is just look at a member's face after a set, um, or read their expression when I give them a cue. Some people are not used to being told what to do in a forceful way. Some people do not like being corrected. Some people are paying for coaching, but they actually don't like to get coached. Um, so to, to find the right way to massage positive feedback with corrections, um, I think is, is, it's what it's what an experience uh, requires when you're paying as much money as these people are paying because technical perfection is important, but it's also important that the person shows up for their next training session. So there's a there's a fine balance there. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. 
I think that's dead on. Um, you used a you used a word a moment ago, uh, massage in the coaching, and I'm not a masseuse, but <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the uh, meeting athletes where they're at, the, the the students, whether it's literature or in athletics, students almost every time, unless you're Rip, determine how the teacher has to be. And so it's my job not only to notice movement patterns and do programming, um, but if I don't have my finger on the pulse of reading, as you said, their face or their body language um, between sets, that's part of interpreting the situation. We as starting strength coaches, you know, we're really good at interpreting situations and reading technique or, 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 or the next programming change necessary but part of that close reading is also reading all of the other stuff clients are giving us. And there's not, of course, one blanket statement, one blanket rule. The coaching begins at the exception of the rule. Um, and it is reaching into and feeling the minutia of that particular case and getting the client approximating them as close as you can to the model while letting them know in the way that they need that you're going to guide them to the capacity they need guidance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find that I'm, I'm managing people's psychology while simultaneously getting them to move in line with the model and balancing both effectively is what enables me to get them to make progress. I agree. It's uh, and the psychology part of it, the first time um, I decided to leave the Dallas location for Mobile, Alabama. Um, the biggest lesson I learned as a coach is the effect my athletes had on me. <clears throat> that I left coaching, I left coaching that day, and I thought about the next time this person was going to squat, what their programming needed to be. And I think about it, let it marinate. And the next morning I have, oh, aha, this is what I want to do. I should have done this. And that my athletes are always on my mind to some extent. And, you know, when, when I don't see them one day, it makes me sad. When I do see them, I'm really excited. But the effect that they have on me as a coach reaches a lot further than I ever expected. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is, it's, it's why this is for me, the best job in the world is it, it informs so much of how I orient myself throughout the day. And, you know, I need to, whether I need to go read an article or go check the forums about things or make a phone call to one of my mentor coaches. Um, they end up being my priority, whether I meant for it or not. I don't really get to leave and close the door at the end of a day, wipe my hands and I'm done. Mm -hmm. It just, I, I can't do it. And, and I, I think most of the coaches I've worked with are like that. Uh, all, all of the starting strength coaches I've worked with are like that. Yep. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, when I talked to the gym owners on the, the ops calls, um, on the one two months ago, I mentioned something that I think is really important, which is the success of your gym will be contingent upon how much you care and how much your people care. And it can't be contrived because that's obvious. It's 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 real. You have to 
I know you're in this business because you care because I wouldn't have let you sign a franchise agreement if that was not the case. And, and uh, enforcing that culture and hiring people that care as well is critical to your success. And to your point, if you are an empathetic person, if you're high on the EQ side, the emotional quotient, and you, you get fired up from helping people succeed, from showing people that they can conquer a giant obstacle, from um, allowing someone to put in hard work and then reap the reward and guiding them through that process. If that if that is something that motivates you, this is a fantastic job. Just just like you said. So, you know, I don't get to do it as much as as I used to, as much as I'd like to. But uh, there's a couple of people I'm working with at the moment that it's it's a pleasure to hear from them because it's when I get a text or a call, it's always just happiness and good news, and they're feeling better than they did last time we spoke. And you know, in, in 2022, that's that's unusual outside of what we're doing here. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's, I, I do get super fired up. My, I, my clients tease me because when, when my cues work with the client or, or their, their next set goes really well, I get really excited. I like sort of jump up and down and I get super pumped up <laughs> and they're like, you get so excited about this. I'm like, yeah, why can, how can you not? Hell yeah, man. Um, let me, so we kind of glazed over your personal story at the beginning. I know you said you were, you were messing around, you kind of glossed over the books, uh, had a couple of tweaks, and then um, I want to hear the part that's missing. So, so um, what were your numbers like before you started doing the, the proper program? What were your numbers like at the end? And then uh, lastly, what, 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 what are you doing lately? How, how is it that, uh, I mean, you look great, man. You look fantastic. Thanks. So what's, yeah, Thanks. tell me what's going on. Oh man, when I started out, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, it was, I, I, I did a lot of front squats cause they're more athletic. I don't know if you know that. Um, uh, so I hear, I don't know what that means, yeah. but that's what I've been told. I, it, it, it increased my vertical by like none. Um, <laughs> as long as you don't measure anything, you can make any claim you want. It's very athletic then. Yeah. Um, no, I don't even know what my numbers were because they were, it was laughable. I think I may have been, uh, don't be shy. Buddy. I, have, I started with a 75 pound squat. So we're, we can, you know, we can be open here. I think I was front squatting 225 for a single. Doesn't that bad? Um, no, not, not bad. Um, and you know, got some, got some stuff straightened out with Jalazinski, the starting strength coach, I believe he's in Wisconsin. Um, and I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing, man. I was messing around with gear avoid the kettlebell long cycle stuff where it's 10 minutes of, of like kettlebell cleaning jerks or kettlebell snatch. And you know, I wasn't, I was fit according to what other, uh, modalities consider fit, yeah, um, but I was strong, right? That takes oh, yeah, conditioning. Condi sure. Yeah. Conditioned for that. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, came here to the Dallas location and <laughs> was immediately put back on a linear progression. Um, I was, I was before that, right before that I was doing a, like a 20 rep squat program. Um, and, uh, you know, for, <laughs> what, 155 the, or something. I, I think I got to 225. Yeah. For 20 reps. That's and pretty good. It was, I, I almost, I was on almost pass out afterward. One. And it was in the gym with all my, all my, uh, the athletes I was coaching. Mm. Um, and we were all doing 20 rep squats because, you know, gains. And, um, uh, cause screw your knee tendons. Who needs them? You know? Yeah. 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 
Uh, and I got in here when we opened and on the first week and Carter Im- immediately put me on LP and pause squats because I was all out of sorts. Uh, and then ran an LP out here and uh, got put on Texas method because um, why not? Ran that out for a while. I remember <laughs> there was one time in Texas when I was running out the deadlift in Texas method and Carter put me, he said, you need to do haltings three sets of eight. And I said, okay, why? Because I wanted this like great starting strength coach explanation. And he said, he gave a moment. He said, because I hate you. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> Thanks, bro. Yeah, man, I, I did. I, I think I wanted, I, I think, yeah, you put me in a two twenty five for some pause squats and I, I wanted to squat in the threes and that was not, not happening. Hmm. Uh, you ran that out for a while. Um, and then the COVID situation, the government shutdown situation happened. Um, and at that time I had a, a garage gym and we were shut down and some of the coaches would come over to my garage and we'd train and I ran it out for a while. Most recently I was running a Jordan Burnett was online coaching me through like a three week tech match. And I put up some solid numbers, um, 525 squat, 405 bench, 250 press, 275 power clean. I don't really talk about my deadlift, Ray. I um, thought you were missing. Yeah, I thought poverty I deadlift was, uh, was missing there. <laughs> but if you can squat was, 550, so deadlift, we're not going to give you a hard time. 515. Deadlift, so. You know, it was, it was a 515 from the floor, although I could rack pull like 585 for a triple, so. I think I have an issue with my, uh, when it comes to the deadlift, I'm maybe, uh, I think the PC term is exertion sensitive, huh. <laughs> which, which is a nice way of, a nice way of saying, I think pussy. Um, <laughs> you don't, it means you don't try hard enough. Is that what that means? Yeah. I don't try hard enough. Uh, <laughs> hence the haltings. If you're not breaking. Yeah. Hence the, the halting. Yeah. You got over 500, man. That's, that's, uh, you checked the box. Yeah, yeah. You're good. You're good. Yeah. Huh. And recently, um, because I like to grind hard on stuff. And uh, Andy Baker's concurrent stuff, that's sort of a little bit of West Side flavor, some bodybuilding stuff, and then um, the bread and butter of the fives has been a great, a great way to get a sense of hitting it hard all the time, but being able to modulate the stress with different, different movement variations. And so I get to feel like I'm working real, real hard um, and I am, but you know, today's a safety squat bar. Next time is a pin squat, and it it gets auto regulated in a way that's uh, uh, been a very educate educational process um, as as a client and a lifter myself rather than a coach. You do get to a point in your training career where you need some variety because it's just too mind numbingly uh, monotonous. And you get yeah. to a point in your training career where it's like, mm. yeah, you know, strength is super important. I'm glad I'm this strong. Don't necessarily know if I need to be much stronger. But uh, the interesting thing is that point is so much further along than most people imagine. You know, we have this strength standard, right, where you should deadlift five, squat four, bench three, press two. And for people that don't do this, that seems insane. It seems impossible. I mean, you tell me, what, is that, what does that take to get a trainee to? If a trainee never misses a session, average male trainee, middle-aged guy, 
what is that a two, two year years. process two years two years and and what i enjoy showing them when they've is that on that when you go by that sticker it says baseline levels of strength it's achievable almost all the time it's not a specialization you're not a power lifter. no 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 dude. that is normal dude can walk around doing that i've I've got a lot of a lot of athletes that you look at them, and that guy looks strong, but you don't realize he's got you know sticker club business happening. Yep, yep. And what what are the women's numbers, by the way? I think it's a three fifteen deadlift, two fifty or two twenty five squat. I think it's two fifty. Let's see, one fifteen press, right? One. The upper body numbers escape me. Does Brent know he's sitting right next to you? He's on it. All right, he's checking. We'll, we'll get back. Maybe to you. 115, one fifteen, one. I don't know. Yeah, but three. I think I can remember number one fifteen and three fifteen. Right. I think. Which uh, most women would think. Wait, I'm going to pick up three hundred and fifteen pounds off the floor. And it's like hell yeah, hell yeah, you can. There is a oh Brent. Brent found out here. Go ahead. Say it, Brent. Uh, one hundred press, one fifty five bench, two twenty five squat, and uh, three fifteen dead. It's all very press, doable. 150 bench, 225 squat, 315 deadlift. We got a guy very doable. at the Boston gym. Maybe Bree can find that video and link it here too. Who, uh, she in her 50s got to a 315 deadlift within, I, I don't want to misquote that. You can, you can look at the story, but it was, it was a, a, a shockingly short amount of time. 315 That's deadlift. Um, we've That's got a amazing. gal in the Columbus gym who just joined a few months back, uh, who had never lifted weights prior to joining the Columbus gym. Pete Ye, the owner of that gym, called me yesterday about this. And she decided to join a powerlifting meet in Columbus. And uh, she will likely break a state record after after training with Pete for a few months, having ne never lifted weights before. So these numbers sound no. insane to people that don't lift. And even to those that have been lifting a long time but don't know about the method that we have, and then we just produce these results every single day in the gym for the for the people that show up. You know, they, that's that's a prerequisite. You have to show up to training. That is the consistency is is essential. I don't think I've missed a training day in four or five years. Um, but it's what what I what's fun is that when one of when somebody hits one of those numbers, it's a it's great. It's a big deal. Um, but they've that means that guess what you're pressing 205 next week mm -hmm. i'm glad 200 is great yeah and then but 205 is coming yeah and then 210 and and it just and and that's not a hard progression to keep going either as you said with the consistency um and, and showing up to the gym man speaking of pressing heavy the uh heavy singles have been such a useful addition to my training i think delgadillo is the one that turned me on to those a few years back and that made my precious go through the roof. Finally broke the 200 milestone and then just kept going. That's badass, dude. It was the last year I'd, I bench press went on the back burner. And it was, I was uh, pressing five by five one day a week and then 10 singles another day a week. Yep. Same. And those 10 singles, it's a lot of fun. It's a 45 minute hour workout, though. Yeah. I Before usually rest done. 90 seconds, two minutes between each single. Yeah. Um, two minutes. The interesting thing is when I, when I put up the first single, like let's say I'm doing 10 singles at 215, um, I'll put up the first single 
and it'll get stuck and then just grind, 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 grind. And it's, you know, three, four second rep. And I'm like, my God, I've got to do 10 of these. Interesting mm-hmm. thing is to rips the, the point that rip always makes about the press is it's so technique dependent that for me, it actually gets easier uh, throughout yep. the set. Yep. The singles get easier as you go. Cause your technique gets more dialed in. Cause each, each, each weight that you push on the press is slightly different just based on how sensitive the thing is to all the different mechanics involved and um, and where the damn thing is relative to the to the middle of your foot. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a long kinetic chain that just requires tons of practice. Yep. Which you know, ten singles and well, and the, the sets of fives are such a different event than a heavy single. Mm-hmm. Like you said, and my my experience is my first single is almost always bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll go up but there's for sure some struggle but by the time i hit my third single we're going yeah. and if it and if it's a good press day i'm going to strike while it's hot and we're going to we're going to make a 5 pound jump and if that goes we're making two and a half pound jumps and we'll see what we can do hell yeah yeah let's talk some big picture stuff uh you're you're a thoughtful guy you uh have spent some time philosophizing clearly um i would be shocked if you haven't thought about the big picture when it comes to strength training I know Rip's talked about it a lot. Um, I've got my own thoughts on it. It's a very broad question, but can you articulate for me why this stuff is so important, other than the obvious, other than the the detailed uh, specific stuff we've been reviewing so far? I mean, yeah, it's cool to deadlift 500 pounds, you know? Hey, it's an ego thing, right? I can deadlift 500 pounds, great. It's cool for David to be 72, 73 and deadlift 415. but there's so much more to it than that. I'm I'm curious what your point of view is. That's a I, I like that question. Um, <clears throat> and I think about this a lot. And this is going to sound like a complete weightlifter thing to say. I guess it's a cliche. Um, but it's my paradigm. Barbell is life. And the lessons that I found that I've gained from the barbell, uh, the most potent they have been is when I'm not training. That is when I'm facing a hard situation in life, um, whatever that is, uh, that if I make the decision to wrap the barbell and not try this rep, not sit down and stand up with it, uh, that's the fail. That I need to, whatever the situation is, I have a set to do. And I need to sit down, squat down, and figure out what happens, that maybe I don't stand up that time. Maybe I do. Either way, there's something I've learned. And that strength, you know, whatever situation it is that I've encountered in my life, I don't know it's there until I've tried it. And what I've learned with the barbell is that, especially in my early time training, is that the minute I would hit any resistance out of the bottom of the squat, Nope, it's not going. Put it to the pins. And there's a brief moment, this, this, this instantaneous piece of time where you have the option to keep pushing on the thing. And that moment it tells us who we are. Are we going to keep pushing? It, it, might, it might drive us back into the floor, but are we going to try and push during that moment? Because that moment happens, and if, if you're going to actually try the damn thing, you're aware when that thing starts to push you back down. And are you going to make the, the decision in that moment to keep pushing? And I, 
I apply that lesson to many cases in, in my life. Um, I learned it from the barbell though. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. <clears throat> I don't know if you, if you, uh, have an opinion on the quality of the people that were sitting there at the gyms conference. But, um, my opinion is that the thing that's so nice about this, the, the, the thing that's so motivating about this community, the thing that, that, um, that I think is so important. It's like our, it's our X factor is that everybody thinks that way. And, and there's no way that you only think that way when it comes to lifting weights. That's how you're wired. And that's why strength training appeals to you. And then strength training hones your ability to get through the shit, to get to the other side and reap the benefits. And then when you go out into the world, you apply that exact same method, that exact same process to tragedy, to uh, a scary situation at work, to um, whatever psychological or physical challenge that you're faced with, and then you're that much better at facing it. Um, and why I think that's important is because when you accumulate experiences like that throughout your life and you get through them, and you prove to yourself that you can do the thing that you were afraid of, the accumulation of those experiences is the definition of success. Right. It doesn't get easier. The bar doesn't get lighter. You just get better at doing hard shit. Right. And life is hard. And uh, you're going to get kicked in the teeth. And if you're young and you're listening to this, you may not, you may not know what I'm talking about, but everybody gets kicked in the teeth. So... Um, I only have seen this type of community, this type of mentality in strength training and in martial arts. And um, I'm getting a little too old and a little too beat up to train martial arts as hard as I, as I used to and, and as I would like to. But the beautiful thing about the barbell and lifting in line with, with the model is that I can still do hard stuff. I can still scare myself. I can still overcome fear. I can still reach new heights, even though my body is uh, not what it used to be in terms of my orthopedic health due to a, a life of martial arts. Um, and you, you, know, you mentioned at the beginning of this interview that when you were not coaching for a while, you felt that your blade had dulled. And I can tell you that anytime I get away from the barbell or doing something scary or difficult, my blade dulls too. And that's the same blade I use in all aspects of my life. So I have to keep that blade sharp. Um, and I love, I absolutely love being around people that feel the same way. And no matter what gym I go to, no matter what time of day, the, I'm surrounded by people that feel the same way, and we instantly connect on that basis. Mm-hmm. And I don't get that experience really anywhere else, like I said, unless I'm at a jiu-jitsu studio or a, or a Muay Thai school. But those are all you know, mostly young guys going hard because, like I said, it's, it's hard on the body. This is, again, something a 72-year-old guy can do um, to the extent where he's pulling 400-plus pounds off the floor. So Yeah. I totally agree. It's, it's hard to, it's like, you don't know until you try, you know? And, and I, <laughs> I, uh, I like to go back and forth with our friends in the YouTube comments cause it's a good time for me for whatever reason. Um, and I, something, haters. something, I mean, even, so, some are hate haters, some are confused, some are, you know, offended, um, some are on the fence, whatever. I just like to go back and forth and, and mainly just to sharpen my, you know, argumentation skills and just make sure I'm not missing something. I might be missing something. Um, but one thing that strikes me when I talk to some of these people is like, ah, shit, man, you haven't, you haven't done this. You haven't been through this process. 
you have an opinion about this. You're, you're coming at me from a purely theoretical perspective. And I, I understand where you're at because all young people are there at some point where they think they know about something they have no experience with. And it's just like, you know, you can't control other people's behavior and, and you wouldn't want to. Um, but this would be so valuable for so many people if they would just, if they would just go for it, you know? And if, if, if you're watching this podcast and you haven't hit your 500, 400, 300, 200 as a guy or your 315, 225, 155, 100 as a gal, um, I recommend that you do. It's not going to take that long. Uh, it will, it will positively change every aspect of your life. I can tell you unequivocally, my career would not be where it was at, where it is at. My marriage would not be where it's at. I wouldn't even know my wife if it wasn't for starting strength. Um, my level of self-confidence, my level of physical capability, my, my health. This is the, this is the thing. This is the thing that touches all other things, all other things. And you might think that that's hyperbolic or exaggerated. You don't know until you try. Oh, it's, uh, the, uh, the, when, when I watched the third plate go onto a barbell for a, a guy to squat it, and we're just talking 315. We're not talking sticker. Uh, the what it does for somebody to put 315 on the barbell, sit down and stand up with it. The confidence after walking out from that set that you see, they, that they don't lose that. And 315 is scary the first time you do it. I mean, you go to bed when that thing's in your training log for Wednesday and it's Monday. You're going to have two nights of going to sleep where your heart's pumping and you might even be sweating a little bit. Cause you're like something about that third plate. It's frightening. And that lat, you know, three ten, when I put that thing on my back, I felt like there was a house sitting on my shoulders, and I did not know if I'd be able to stand back up. But I did, f I did fifteen reps last Friday at three oh five. So I, so this is what I tell trainees, right? When they're when they have this this uh, mental barrier, I go, look, let's say it's three fifteen, it's Wednesday, on Monday you did three ten, did you miss a rep? No. All right, so you did fifteen reps of three ten. So I'm adding five more pounds to the bar, five more pounds. Can you do at least one rep? Well, yeah. Okay, cool. Then just go do one rep. Go do one rep and we'll, we'll go from there. And then, yep. and then there's this like, okay, I've, I've, I've made it. I've, I've passed through the mental barrier. And then what do you know? A set of five goes up. And then what do you that's know? The how, set, next set goes up. And then what do you know? The next that's set how, goes up. That, that's how Aaron today squat at 225, uh, 225 for five is I said, let's just do one man. Right. And then if you hear me say racket, racket, if you right. don't, we're going, I got your and back, man. I'm standing more. right here. I'm not going to, yeah. if you're falling more. apart, I'm not going to let you get hurt. Yep. And he got five and they were great. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. These conversations fire me up. I want to clone you. Yeah. I love your attitude. I love your personality. I love your vibe. Um, I'm Thanks, excited man. to visit you guys at the Plano gym to meet the members down there next time I'm in the area. Um, what else? Is there something you want to mention that we haven't talked about? I don't think so, man. Okay. Where we can got, people we got follow you online? you have an Instagram? Or? Uh, yeah. Um, shoot. I think it's Jones underscore SSC. Okay. And then you've got starting yeah, to play on Instagram. Um, and then are you, are you uh, taking on online members at the moment? I'm taking online clients right now. Cool. So Plano.ssgyms.com if you want to coach that really gives a damn and is uh, invested in your success. Thank you. Michael Jones, thanks for the time, man. See you soon. Appreciate you. Right. Thanks, Ray. Yep.